Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. I don't know if you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm a little extra chipper today because this is episode 81 and we are titling this uh, Roma Lashes Lazio in Derby Delight. Jimmy, is anything more delightful than what Roma did to Lazio yesterday? No, um, pretty much no, man. I mean, I've had some really good stuff happen in my personal life over the past couple of days and Roma winning the Derby 3-0 kind of tops it. Um, I, I would have called it Roma demo, in R- Roma Derby demolition, yeah, but you know, one too. <laughs> uh, I either either way, this is the happiest I've been after a Roma match in a while. This was just a fantastic match. Yeah, I mean, I can't say this is better than the birth of my son, but he was around for his first <laughs> Derby, you know. And he's, he's good luck now. Yeah, he's good luck. I tweeted out the photo. My buddy, who happens to be a Lazio fan, actually got him like a little Roma onesie as a gift when they found out I was having a son. I tweeted out the photo. He must have brought some luck because his first derby and Roma just went to work. He did sleep yeah. through the whole match, so I can't say he watched it, but he was he was around for baby it. Steps. He, he slept. Yeah, baby slept. Literally, he, uh, he, he slept through my screaming at the TV, all for good reasons this time around. So God bless him. He can sleep, but um, he was around for it. I like to think he brought us some luck because this is going to be a fun one to talk about. We don't always get to talk about these, these kind of matches with uh, all positives, really. So let's, let's get right to it. Roma won this match three, nothing, you know, the XG reflected Roma being the better team. I believe it was 2.2 to 0.8, according to FB reference, where I get most of my stats from. And Roma started off on the right foot. They went down the pitch, got a corner kick. Lorenzo Pellegrini tried really an audacious direct free kick on goal, hit the crossbar, fell right to Tammy. The ball goes in. Jimmy, how big was that goal in the first minute? That was huge. I mean, we talked about this. We've talked about this before that we started the show, but um, when Roma scores early, things go well for them. And it's as simple as that. I mean, Tammy Abraham is very quickly becoming an icon for this club. Um, I think that's safe to say. 
you know, there have been players who have scored only one goal in a derby who became icons. Like, uh, remember Yanga and Biwa? Uh, yes. but, but like, but like when the guy who you spent the, the whole bank on is able to return the favor by doing a brace in his second derby and arguably even a more critical derby than the first one of the season that you can't rep, you can't replace that. And the momentum that this club got after, you know, scoring one first, I think that we're developing a club with a better mentality overall, but for this type of match, no matter how good your mentality is outside of it, you have, it is so based on just how people are feeling on that day. And the fact that Roma was able to seize initiative from like what's the 50th second of the match, yeah. I think it was the quickest, quickest goal in Derby history for Roma. Um, the fact we were able to get that so quickly just changed the game. I have no doubt. Yeah. I mean, scoring that quick is just like a moment of ecstasy. It just sets the tone for the rest of the match. And the fact that just 21 minutes later in the 22nd minute, your boy, Rick Karzorp, who you often criticize, I know he's not your favorite player. He whipped in a perfect cross um, from the right yeah. flank. Tammy Abraham uh, kicked it home from probably within about eight yards, pretty close to goal. Strakosha couldn't react to the, to the cross. And Tammy, Tammy two-time, as we like to call him on CDT, scores for the second time. Now 23 goals in all competitions for Roma in his first season, passing Batistuta and Montella in their you know maiden voyages. I think they both had 20. So he's now pulling away from them. And I mean, he, he could really pull away with the rest of the season ahead of him. Another nice goal. I mean, this this was like the complete opposite of the first derby. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, to be clear on Karsdorp, it's not that I don't appreciate that he can have great games. It's that I wish he had more consistency. Now, you could argue that a more consistent Karsdorp probably would be out of the price range of Roma, and I'll give you that. Um, but I still, you know, I know he can have fantastic games, and I will 100% say that this was one of them. Um as for, you know, how crucial that second goal was too, I mean, you, uh, you can claw back from one goal down really easy in a derby environment. Um, Roma's done it before. Um, but to be able to get two goals early on in the first half, that sets the tone in a way that one goal, even that quickly, just doesn't do. It really gets, them, gets Lazio on their back. It really sets up a situation where Roma can both, try to stay in the driver's seat, but also not stress too much about playing a anxious, nervous game going forward, trying to, you know, seal the deal with the match. Yeah, especially against a team like Lazio, who we know can score goals. I think they have the second most goal scored in the league currently behind Inter. So they can put the goals up. So to get the, the two-goal advantage, which is sometimes called the most dangerous lead in soccer because sometimes you get a little complacent. Roma didn't get complacent. Um, there was like one or two nervy moments where you're like, okay, I hope Roger Bonnie's is they called for a BS penalty because his arm kind of came up high and somebody off the ball in the box. And I know there was one that I think Chieto went down like a ton of bricks was clearly not a foul for a penalty. No, they didn't even look at it. I don't think, but there was, you know, those little moments here and there where you're like two goals makes you feel a lot better about things than one goal. Uh, Roma continued to push the initiative. I think it was Zalewski had the next chance in the match where he forced a save from Shikosha. And then in the 40th minute, Capitano, Lorenzo Pellegrini, you know, I've been saying since the first derby, I want to see how he performs as the captain in a derby that's meaningful. You know, they won the derby at the end of last season, really a meaningless match, second to last match of the season. Pretty much both teams were where they were, and there wasn't so much uh, energy in that match compared to a lot of derbies. This one had 
the feeling of your classic derby. The, the stands were packed to, I think it was 75% capacity, whatever was allowed. The Curva was allowed. Totti was there watching, you know, and Pellegrini stepped up in the 40th minute to a free kick that I believe is Sergio Oliveira drew. And did he just deliver the perfect free kick right side of the, the 18 really curls it around the wall into the top upper uh, 90 on the right side of the goal out of the reach of Strakosha's gloves. I mean, he couldn't place it more perfectly. Couldn't do better in FIFA. Yeah, that was, I, this, this phrase gets overused for Roma players, but that free kick was truly Totti-esque. Um, like that was, that was a free kick that I would see from Totti or Pjanic, maybe. Like, I, I don't remember a free kick from Pjanic that was that good either, um, which is, you know, really saying something because especially at Roma, he was incredible at free kicks. Um, I remember how there was justified criticism of Pellegrini being our free kick taker, especially last season. I have to imagine that we'll get a reprieve from that type of talk for at least six months now. Um, and uh, one would think uh, that that basically cemented him as the free kick taker. One thing that I'll also just note, and we'll probably talk about more of this later, but if Pellegrini is able to make not that good of a free kick consistently, but if he's able to make free kicks like that and can make you know slightly worse ones on a more regular basis, that opens up a lot of doors for who else you fill in with the midfield. Like you don't need to have another guy who has free kick taker as part of his job description. And so you can feel more comfortable bringing in someone who, you know, might be that kind of DM role that Mourinho has been wanting so desperately. Like you don't, and there, there are rumors of Jordan Veratou being, you know, wanted by everyone from Newcastle to uh, Marseille. Uh, for around 25 million euros. I'm fine with that price tag, even excluding Pellegrini's excellent performance yesterday. Um, but if we're able to get into a situation where Pellegrini can also now be a free kick taker, then I'll really be fine with that price tag. What about you? Oh, I mean, the, I was just going to say, you brought up the point I made, actually my four key stats piece that's coming out tomorrow on the site is that last year, Fonseca and Roma used to draw so, draw so much criticism because it was like, oh, you're just sticking with Pellegrini because he's the Roman, he's the vice captain, eventually became the captain. That's why he's taking these free kicks. Vertu's a better free kick taker, corner kick taker. Yeah, Vertu delivers some great corners, never really scores direct free kicks like Pellegrini does. But this season, Pellegrini has not scored only not one, not two, but three beautiful free kicks. He, he bailed yeah. us out at Cagliari. The lovely free kick against Juve, which should have been a match winner, let's be honest. Roma should never have blown a 3-1 lead. We, we forget about that goal a little bit because of the way Roma lost that match. And now he does it against Lazio. So he's not only done it to save a match against Cali on the road, which is a tough place to play always for Roma, but he's done it now against Lazio and Juve in the same uh, three-month window. So yeah. he, he's now becoming a free kick specialist in some ways. He's no longer just a guy you throw out there because nobody else is really good at free kicks, so let's let him take it. He He's really impressive now i mean yeah even roberto mancini's kind of got to look at it and be like well this guy could be a weapon even more for italy now because when you look at italy they're free kick taker they don't have the pirlo anymore they used to like he could even start filling that role for italy because not for nothing he's having a great season he deserves a little bit of a look for italy more than he's had of late i think yeah i 100 percent agree with that i would also say that you know it'll the italian national team is in this interesting spot where i feel like half of the players are incredibly young and the other half are like 
very close to being over either over 30 or like older. And Pellegrini is kind of in the shoulder between those two generations. Um, he's not, he's definitely, you know, younger than like the Chiellinis, Chiellinis and the, and everybody else of that era. But at the same time, he's only like, what, 25, 26? 25, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah 25. exactly. He's 25. He's got a lot of, and like for the way that he plays the game implies that he's also got, you know, a lot left in the tank too. Yeah. Like I could see him having a Mkhitaryan level longevity in his game because it's not like he's just beating people to a pulp with his pace or physicality. It's a combination of technique with skill and shooting ability, which just is able to age like fine wine. So he's been, you know, a pretty consistent part of the Italian national team. The reason why he wasn't with us at the Euros was because he was injured more than anything else. I'm pretty sure he probably would have gotten in otherwise. But yeah, if he's able to keep on putting up world-class performances like this and, you know, that really incredible hot streak he had to start the season, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be a fixture not only of the Italian national team, but of the starting team. And just from a club perspective, I got to add, man, it's nice that I feel like this is his first iconic performance in a derby. Uh, yeah. And I'm not saying that he's on De Rossi's level or Totti's level in terms of how much of an icon he will be to the club. But he does have time to get there, first of all. Um, but second of all, I would say even if he didn't have the time to get there, it's great that we now have a Roman who obviously can stand up to the bright lights of the Derby, who obviously can play excellent football in that Derby and, you know, make himself look like, along with Abraham and some other players, like the future of this club in a very positive way. Yeah, and, and the last thing I'll throw in about Pellegrini, too, is a lot of the time people criticize him. Oh, he shows up great against the smaller clubs, but then in the bigger games against the bigger sides, he kind of sh shrinks away. He's not that great of a player that he can really elevate his game. Yesterday, he elevated his game. I thought he had a very strong performance, even outside of the free kick goal. I think it was, I looked earlier, he had a bunch of shot creating actions in the match. He had a very, very strong match. Um I'm not seeing the stats right now. For some reason, they disappeared. But I think it was six shot creating actions when I looked earlier that had the goal creating action, which I don't know if they count the direct free kick as a goal creating action or the shot off the post. But either way, he was involved in two of the goals, had a very strong match, and, and he put in a captain level performance that you expect from a Roman captain. And a lot of time we said Romans in the moment sometimes get overwhelmed. We've seen Totti and De Rossi get pulled early in derbies because the moment became too big and they kind of lose their head. He did not do that in this match. He was exactly what Roma needed, led by example, came up with that huge goal and, and just massive, massive performance from him. So kudos to him, and, and I'm hoping for more of those going forward. So now, just looking at the performance overall, Jim, was this the best performance of the Mourinho era so far? That's a tough question. In some ways, I think that it just objectively has to be because it was a clean sheet. And it was this large of a margin, but I'm kind of partial to that Atlanta win, to be honest with you. Um, both of them have serious table implications that we'll obviously get into, but the way that we beat down Atlanta arguably felt more emphatic than this win. Um, that's just my personal feel of vibe of it. I'm not saying that from a statistical point of view or like a tactical point of view. Um, I'm just saying that 
I did not expect that Atalanta win at all, period. And the way that the Derby always works is that it's almost unimportant what each club's standing is when you go in. Like Roma could be first place and Lazio could be 20th, which would be way better than the alternative. And, but I would still be worried about the Derby because it's the Derby and it's just, it's almost a different sport in terms of how much these players have to care for that match. And so, yeah, I mean, my expectations were so much lower for the Atlanta match that for them to win that emphatically was like, wow. Whereas with this one, I knew that the, they would be really energized. I knew that this would be at the very least a tight match. And am I thrilled that it was a 3-0 win? Of course. But at the same time, I was just shocked by the fact that we beat Atlanta so handily. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's probably like a 1A, 1B situation because like you said, the Atalanta match was on the road. It was really the first match too that we've won in a, a, a quote-unquote big match in like a year and a half. So I, the, the way they emphatically went about that match, I think it ended 4-1 was the final score of that match, was really impressive. And the only goal they gave was an own goal. The only thing I would say maybe they were a bit better at in this match is they conceded, from what I remember, less like nervy opportunities where you're like, oh, like Lazio is going to hit us back. Lazio never felt like they were going to hit us back. I, I, from what I remember, I mean, Atalanta was like four months ago now, but I think they had a little more going forward against us. But Roma, both of them, this just shows how important to me that an early goal is. I mean, it doesn't have to be the first minute like both of those matches were. But when Roma scores first and Mourinho can really implement the tactics uh, of what he's trying to do, which is often be pretty compact, counterattack, use Tammy's pace, use, uh, you know, maybe Karsdor pushing the right, or in this case, Zalewski pushing the left with Mkhitaryan feeding some balls and doing things like that. Roma becomes very dangerous. And um, Yurkata threw in from the CDT message boards. He said, we've seen before that Roma can have its way with teams looking to counter, but this Lazio team wasn't like that. What changed? Was it really just a case of conserving energy midweek and going all out here? Was this actually Roma turning the corner or just another false dawn? I'd have to say in terms of the conserving the energy, I don't know if they conserve much energy on Thursday because I think it was five starters played 90 minutes. Seven of them uh, played a pretty good amount. Um, a couple of them came off the bench. So I think the energy was expended to get past Vitesse. It wasn't like they, you know, won four, nothing there, but I, I just think they executed better. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I think it was a lot better execution. And as I said, I mean, I already use this as a reason to discount this match result compared to the Atalanta win, but I'm going to use it now to, to kind of prop it up compared to the Vitesse kind of, you know, we got the job done, even if it wasn't exciting. Uh, I mean, this is Lazio Roma, man. This is this is the Derby. Like they're they're gonna they're circling this on their calendar. And even if Mourinho said I'm focusing on Vitesse, they weren't really. Like, let's be honest. Like we they Mourinho knew that it would be bad if he lost both derbies um, in the first year. Everybody knew it would be miserable if they lost this one. They had to be focusing at least half of their brain on Lazio while they were playing Vitesse and I would argue that that's probably why it was a relatively mediocre result um still I'm happy with it because you know we're still through in the Europa Conference League and we got this win which you know we'll talk about the implications for the table later but it sets Roma up to at the very least be in the running for that Europa League slot way more than Lazio is now yeah I mean you're right I think in the sense that they're only human right they they know what the derby means they they they're 
at some point probably looking ahead. And they didn't completely overlook Vitesse, but I think it became a more difficult match than maybe it should have been because you kind of have that split mentality, like, oh, the Derby's looming in three days. Maybe you don't want to get injured. Maybe you don't want to expend as much energy. So maybe at certain points you turned off where you shouldn't have, and it took a while to score that goal, and, and Tammy had to bail them out in the 90-some-odd minute. But, you know, it, it is certainly encouraging that they were able to still get the job done in the Conference League get this emphatic win, move forward. Unfortunately, I think in some ways into an international break now because it kind of kills that momentum. And we feel like that happens so often in Roma. They come off a big win and then the, the international break comes and it kind of slows things down. But this is definitely something to build on moving forward in terms of what, what it did for this team. And, and we'll talk a little bit about, more about that at the end of the episode because I want to talk about bigger picture moving forward. But I, I think this was very impressive. you know. And I think the, the one thing it really shows – a lot of people will say Mourinho is tactically past it at this point in his career, but you know, Saudi ball is the more progressive style of, of Calcio, so to speak. It's the more modern pass the ball around control possession, you know, pick the team apart and Roma didn't get picked apart at all. They didn't concede any big chances, you know, Milinkovic, Savage, Alberto, Immobile, their big trio of midfielders and striker that usually cause Roma fits were just silenced yesterday. They were really silent. So Kudos to Mourinho in, in this match. He really now has done this to Gasparini twice, and now he's done it to Saudi, where he has just been able to control the, the way that the game has been played. And I think the first derby was conditioned so much by Lazio's early goal that Mourinho didn't really get a chance to maybe implement what he wanted to, because once they fell behind, it became difficult for Roma to play uh, the style that they probably wanted, especially at 2 nothing down. And they still fought back in that match. So I think certain coaches still are going to have a problem with these Mourinho type tactics moving forward, even if they aren't the most uh, eye popping, you know, you know, beautiful football, they got the job done now against two of Roma's direct rivals for that fourth, fifth kind of range in the table at this point in, in where Serie A is. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to be a broken record on this, but Roma has had such difficulties with winning period over the last several years. Um, that I'm not very convinced by the argument that people make saying, oh, it's not beautiful football. What are we doing here? Um, to be able to play beautiful football confidently, you have to know in the back of your head that if worse comes to worse, you can play less beautiful football and still win the match. And there's a level of freedom and expression that comes from that confidence when, within yourself. And if there's anything that I would criticize Roma for, well, okay, there's a lot of things I would criticize Roma for <laughs> over the past several years, but a lack of confidence throughout the club is a huge amount of it. And sometimes there have been like moments of bright, like bright spots, like the Barcelona comeback, the near comeback against Liverpool. Like there have been times where this club has looked like it's got, been developing a, a strong mentality, but it's just not there yet. And the only way you can build a strong mentality is by knowing that you can win ugly just as well as you can win prettily or be more beautifully yeah for sure i know we had a couple questions from sufian on twitter he asked uh when we'll return to the 4231 he likes the formation attack but defensively felt it was too weak and we had garibaldino on the cdt message boards asking if marina should stick with this 3421 formation um i'll just say i think for the rest of the season they stick 3421 and i think moving forward the four, two, three, one all depends on what the Mercato brings in, what Mourinho maybe requests from Pinto. And if it's, if it's, you know, granted in terms of players that fit that formation, because with this formation now, Roma's on a nine match unbeaten run in the league. I think they've won like 11 
of their last 12 or 12 of their last 13 in all competitions when you take out that inter defeat in the the copa mm-hmm. so i think at this point you stick three four two one and then i think you have to reevaluate maybe in the summer yeah i 100 agree with that and i'm very i'm becoming way more and way more interested in what roma might do um in the summer right now because back when i was feeling like we should sell half the squad it was like well okay tear everything down and but some now we're getting to the point where both prospects are looking intriguing enough and players like core players are looking solid enough that some of the transfer targets i thought we'd be going for and like we've been linked to don't necessarily make as much sense anymore like we've been we've been linked to like serginio dest non-stop for months yeah. trying to tie him to us and first of all i'm still not on the like ship matias vina out of town train just yet i think that we need to give him a lot more runway uh before he can we should be writing him off uh but with nicolas zalewski looking so good man um do we need another left back with spinazzola and around and zalewski looking like he can play as a very good attacking left wing back i i don't know um, the one thing I know we do need is, you know, another midfielder, but we've known that for over basically a year now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm fine with the formation as it currently stands. It's making beautiful football when it can, and it's grinding out wins when it can. And that's what you need to do. Yeah. Agreed. Wins are wins, right? Points are points. And that's, what's going to matter in the end, whether it's beautiful or ugly, people just care about winning. Um, I forget who it was from on our message boards because it was part of a two-part question and I put the first part of his question elsewhere in our outline, but he asked, am I crazy for it to want an extension for Mkhitaryan? I'll, no. I'll put it out. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. One word answer. No. I mean, he's playing outstanding right now. Had another strong performance yesterday. I'm very happy with what I've seen from Mkhitaryan lately. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, no, no problem with extending him. And if, especially if it's only like a one day, two year extension, like it's been rumored, it's not like we're going to be stuck with a Fazio like contract on our books. Um, I was really impressed by his ability to be adaptable too. Um, That's the biggest ask that I think Mourinho has of players to be able to adapt to changing circumstances. And it's an important thing to have in any team setting. Um, But if, if you want to be nasty about it, you can say, look, Gonzalo VR didn't want to adapt and he's gone. Enrique Mkhitaryan was willing to take on the role that Gonzalo Villar said no to essentially. And he put in a great performance and that's the difference between a good player and a great player largely like the ability to take on a new role and succeed and like will yourself to succeeding. And we'll talk more about Zalewski soon, I assume, but like the fact that he's been playing out of position and shining, that gives me more confidence than Anything I've seen from like just to look at another attacking prospect we've seen, like Felix Afenagian, like I think that he's got talent and promise, but the fact that Zalewski's been given a chance, not in his normal role, and he's just like ripped into it. He has made it his own as much as he possibly can. That tells me more about his mentality and his ability to continue growing than anything else. And that that's why I'm so encouraged about him right now. Yeah. So speaking of Zalewski, let's stick with him. I mean, yesterday, Lazio clearly went with the plan to attack his side with Philippe Anderson. That Felipe was Anderson was that was that was a huge mistake. By the 30th minute, they had swapped him to the opposite flank to try to attack Ray Carzor because 
Zalewski had just completely taken him out of the match. You're talking about a kid who's really an attacking winger, second striker type player, attacking midfielder. And he's not big. No, he's not big. And I'm going to, because uh, at Football Report tweeted out, he put out a great tweet and he tweeted at us uh, in response to the, the call for questions for the pod. So it was Zalewski, 74 minutes, uh, 0.20 XG, which was probably based on his one shot on target. Completed 30 passes, which was a, a rate of 83.3%, pretty solid. Missed the one big chance, had 63 touches, won nine out of 16 ground duels, seven out of 10 tackles, uh, had two interceptions, six recoveries, uh, committed two fouls, drew two fouls, lost possession nine times, was dispossessed once, zero of one on dribbles and three of six on long ball. So yeah, he lost possession a bit, but you're going you're gonna to do that when you're attacking, trying to dribble at players. I think when I looked at the stats earlier of the whole team, the seven tackles led the team. Uh, and the, the 10 attempts also led the team. It just shows that he was getting action down his side and he didn't back down to it, right? He didn't cower and hide behind Roger Bonney and say, Roger, take care of business for me because you're the defender. He, he did a lot of the dirty work and he did it very impressively. Yeah, this is what I wanted and expected from Justin Clivert when we signed him. Like, I, I, think that I, I think that's safe to say, right? Like, this is what we expected from him when we signed him and... I was expecting a lot from him and we're getting it now, albeit from a guy who came through the Academy, which is even better Um, for a guy who's five foot eight to be that defensively solid in a left wing back role um, for a guy who's five foot eight to be able to handle uh, Felipe Anderson like that uh, is really impressive. Um, Felipe Anderson is like a serious player. He's a guy who, you know, before he went to Lazio, I would have loved at Lazio. And he's been excellent for Lazio, both during his first stint and now. Um, he's not the type of guy that I would have expected a 20-year-old academy graduate to be able to just put in his pocket, particularly a 20-year-old yeah. academy graduate who's not, in a, who's not a defender. <laughs> and yet he did. Um, in the same way that, like, sometimes I'm frustrated by, you know, Certain players in Roma's attack becoming an afterthought because of excellent defensive play. That's what happened with Rome with Lazio's arguably best defender. I mean, best best attacker. He fell off the face of the earth mainly because of Zelensky's play. And yeah, um, I still think that his best potential is going to be at left winger. You don't you don't raise a kid throughout the academy level up in one particular position and tell him once he's at the senior level to play a totally different one. Um, so I'm anticipating that once we're back to full health at left back, that he'll be playing more on the wing, but he's showing himself to be at the very least right now, a great rotation option for this side on the left. And uh, there's really not much more that you can ask for from an academy, a recent Academy graduate. Yeah. So you kind of answer Kostaba Harry Haran's question about what do we do with Zalewski? He's good at left wing back, but he's, he's a winger. So I won't go there again. He want, just wants to make sure we don't end up having him like Florenzi long-term. Um, we, we had a couple responses to him and uh, just throwing out there what Mikadi 85 says in the message boards. from what I've seen so far, he, he is better at left wing back than left wing. He has good pace and work rate and is decent in his defensive duties under Mourinho's counterattacking and deep lying setup. It gives him the chance to deploy his strengths and run up the left flank making interchanging and cutting past opponents whilst they are tracking back. So I think that's a good point that Mikati made. He does fit in this style of play very well, but I, I do agree. I think long-term you're going to look at him as more of an attacking player, but just his adaptability gives you so much, so many more options from a, a tactical standpoint. And managers love to have tactical options against certain opponents. And when we have to counter, like we, we often do so far with the 
position, you know, the, the roster we have, I think Mikadi makes a great point. I mean, Zalewski has looked great as left wing back completely. I don't think anybody expected Marino to say here, let's throw this kid in a left wing back and him to excel the way he has. We, maybe figured maybe it was that one-time deal, the, the one time he started. And, and maybe he just was that good that Mourinho had no choice but to play him again. But he's doing it on both sides of the ball to the point yeah. where uh, Bush on the CDT message boards asked, would you say that Zalewski's performance against Lazio is on the level or close to Spinazzola at his best? I don't know if I would go that far, but it, it was Yeah, impressive. pump your brakes, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pump, pump your brakes. That's a national <laughs> treasure right there. Um, but he's damn good. Um, yeah. And I would say, you know, I agree with what Mikati85 is saying, that he's looking really impressive as a left wing back. We haven't seen him as a left winger at the, at the top flight level yet. So I wouldn't judge him as better at left wing back than left wing. Um, I would also add that we have so much depth when Spinazzola is healthy at left back, left wing back, that it makes no sense for me to have him in that role long-term, like just from a perspective of trying to offload talent. Like, let's say that we said, okay, Zalewski is our left wing back of the future. Then we would have to offload the following play. Matias Vigna, who I still have faith in, but you know, he's been underperforming. We're probably not going to get the money we pay for him back right now. We'd have to offload Ricardo Calafiori, who, you know, he, before he went on his loan was being treated like a predestinato. Like he was being, he was thought of as yeah. not an if, but when player. And we can criticize where he went on loan for all we want. And I, I would for days, but I would be not surprised at all if he came back after this season, this half season away and really got in contention for minutes at left back. So with three players who are either excellent already or have the potential to become excellent at left back, it's a good problem to have, I guess, but there's no way that I would want to try to shove this guy who has shown such ability already at left wing back given how much of a log jam we have there, comparatively speaking. Yeah, I don't think you're going to want to keep him there long term, like you said, with the options we have. You know, Vini is probably not going anywhere. Calafiore is coming back, hopefully, uh, even though he hasn't gotten many minutes on the pitch. Hopefully he's, I don't know, maybe matured a little bit more as a player as he gets a little bit older. And can he play DM? Yeah. <laughs> and then Spinazzola, of course, um, who we hope is coming back, you know, full fitness next season. It's going to be a full position. And the one thing this does give us, I'll say, if he does go back to left wing, if Roma goes back to a 4 2 3 1, and this kid continues to develop the way we've seen so far, small sample size, I'll be able to show him the talent. Can you imagine Spinazzola as left back and then him as the left wing back in, or the left wing interchanging on certain plays? He can cover Spinazzola if he has to and do it in a way that you're not going to be scared, you know, shitless, so to speak, that he's just going to yeah. get burned and the, the left flank is wide open and somebody's going to go kill us down the other side. So certainly impressive. Uh, we'll take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back to break down some other performances from the Derby. All right, Jim. So from one up and coming player to another player who's maybe not so up and coming, but is new to Serie A, has been absolutely killing it for Roma. He costs 40 million euros, maybe 45 with bonuses from what I read. Tammy Abraham, of course, is the man I'm talking about. Tammy has just embraced life in Rome. I don't know if you saw the interview that Paramount had with him and Marco Messina. Just seems like a great guy. Loves being in Rome. He credited Mourinho 100% for being here because Mourinho basically called him and said, do you want to stay in raining London or do you want to come to Rome in the sunshine and join me and, and let's do something together? And, you know, people can criticize Mourinho all they want, but guess what? If it wasn't for Mourinho, we're not, we're, we don't have Tammy Abraham as our number nine with 23 goals right now. So 
it was a lot of money at the time, but where do you rank Tammy in terms of transfers that have happened in your time supporting Roma? And maybe specifically those big money transfers, I'd say. He's already the best big money transfer we've yeah. made. I, I don't, I, I think that that's just like, to be fair, a lot of the big money transfer we've made have absolutely sucked. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he has blown the doors off of any major transfer that we've made in terms of transfer fee. Yeah. Um, in the entire time that I've watched Roma. And I would argue that if Roma is able to get a Scudetto with him, then we'll have to start having the conversation of, and even if we don't, but like, let's say that we get really close. We win some European silverware with him. And then, you know, a couple seasons later, Real Madrid calls and plops down hundred million euros for him or something. I would be tempted to, you know, put him right alongside Batistuta in terms of impact. Um, I didn't, ex- I expected him to be very good this season. I did not expect him to be as good as he has been because I thought there'd be adjustment an adjustment period. There was an adjustment period for Jaco and Jaco was mm-hmm. a far more proven, excellent yes. striker who had played in Germany, England. He was world-class when we signed him. Whereas Abraham, you know, he was a top sc- goal scorer for Chelsea when they won the Champions League, sure. But no one really thought of him as the workhorse of that team. They thought of him as a good complement to the other parts of what that squad had. But he was not the star player. And that's why, you know, Chelsea went and got Lukaku last summer because they were like, well, can we really trust Tammy Abraham yeah. to be our star striker? Which, you know, in hindsight, seems like a really dumb question to ask. But, but you know. Um, at the time it made sense for them just as much as it made sense for us. Um, I would also say that, you know, it definitely helps that Mourinho brought him to Roma. And I think we can say that that happened just in the same way that we all used to say that, you know, Leandro Castan deserves a lot of credit for bringing Marquinhos to Roma. Um, I would also add that, yeah, I mean, a Chelsea legend calling up a guy who has played in Chelsea's academy saying, hey, come join me. I can imagine that that was a huge impact on Abraham and you're hundred percent right. He has really embraced being a part of this club and not the face per se, but a face of this club. I think it's fair to say, because he's not Roman. He'll never be Lorenzo Pellegrini. He'll never be on the level of Totti or DDR in terms of, you know, how much he's beloved by the club, but if he's able to have a couple more seasons like this, I would not be surprised if he's put up there with some of the other star attacking talents that Roma has had over the years in terms of how much they're adored. Um, the fans already love him. I can tell you that much. Just watching every single match that's home. The Tifosi in the stadium just love this guy. Um, and you can't really ask for more from your $45 million uh, buy for then for him to be like what top three, four striker in the league already yeah. to be beloved by the fans, to be the top striker in the European competition you're playing in. That's pretty damn good. Um, and I, I know some people are discounting the fact that he already beat Baristuta and Montella's record uh, by saying that some of those goals were, you know, obviously in ECL, a brand new third tier European competition. And that's true. But it's only, it's not even April. <laughs> yeah. Like, like yeah, he's breaking time, that right? record and it's not April. And so like, sure, he's technically like, let's say we take away those six goals in ECL, then he can score six goals by the end of the season in Serie A alone. That, that does not seem like yeah. far-fetched at all. 
Um, he scored two yesterday. <laughs> like he only has to have three more Tammy two goals and that's it. Um, so yeah, I, I am over the moon with this transfer. This is the type, if this is the type of transfer that Roma will make for big money in the future with the Freakins and Tiago Pinto in charge, I am way happier with this management than I ever was with, you know, definitely Monchi, but even Sabatini because bless Sabatini's heart for finding cheap prospects who then become superstars that we can sell at a huge profit. He was not great at finding expensive players who could help us win now. I think that's fair to say. Um, And if we're able to find that balance between, you know, promoting Academy players like Zalewski and nurturing stars like Zaniolo, Abraham, Pellegrini, we could be going places. Yeah. And just going back to the question from Andy, like sports, I'd have to say in terms of big money, definitely in my, at, you know, 16 or so years as a fan, definitely the best big money signing they've made in my time. I didn't follow the team when they signed Batistuta because he would obviously be up there in terms of impact for big money, but that was before my time as a fan. And, you know, yeah, we like Diane Galan was a great signing, you know, Spinazzola was a great signing. Even Jekka was a great signing at the time, but those weren't as big of a money, as big of an investment at the time when they were made. So I think big money, Tammy has to top the top the list. And, you know, for the people that criticize the ECL goals, if you think, look at his, just his Serie A production, he's got 15 goals in Serie A tied with Giovanni Simeone for uh, third who's most. Been in the fantastic, league. by the way. Yeah, who's been fantastic this year. Third most in the league, Chiro Immobile, Dusan Vlaovic, both of 21. Unlikely he catches either of them because they have a, a bit of an edge. But, you yeah. know, a couple, couple two-goal games again, and he's, he's maybe making up some of that ground by the end of the season. But just to go back to my point, of those 15 goals, he scored three against Atalanta. He scored two against Lazio. He has scored yeah. against Juve, and he has scored against Milan this season. So uh, seven of those goals, just about half, have come against big sides. Uh, and don't forget the two assists he had against Fiorentina to open the season, which also led to goals. So he's had plenty of impact against big sides where if you want to criticize the ECL, guess what? The league production is there against the good teams. He's not just picking on Spezia and Salernitana every week. So I think that's important to realize too. Also just going to add, he's not, he has not been our main penalty taker for a lot of the season. No, what's he um, taking one or two? I think, I think he's taken maybe one, maybe two, but he's not like our regular penalty taker. And I mean, not to kick them while they're down, but I've always felt like Immobile's like Capo Canonieri runs have been generally heavily subsidized by penalty kicks. And the fact that Abraham is, you know, Ronaldo was winning those. Yeah. Yeah. And so many players who are like thought of as top strikers, a lot of what they can do is kick the ball a couple of yards and confuse the, the goalkeeper a little bit. Um, Abraham is making goals happen in so many different ways and it's not, and not happening through penalty kicks. That's impressive to me. Yeah, that's certainly an, uh, a, a great point you make because I know Vlaovic has taken quite a few this year. Chiro usually takes them. So here, I'm just going to sort this real quick. Uh, goals minus penalty kicks this season. Guess how many Chiro has? 15. Simeone, 15. Tammy, 13. Vlaovic has 12. Yeah. Uh, so that just shows how many penalties a guy like um, Vlaovic has taken. And this actually might be, sorry, I'm looking at Skamaka. There was Vlaovic. Uh, yeah, he has 12 minus the penalty kicks, it says, which 
seems low. They only have him at 17 here. I don't know why the other site had him at 21. But regardless, it just shows that Tammy has two less goals than Chido, who's right now leading the capital race, uh, yeah. minus the penalty. So definitely yeah. makes a difference. So if he was taking Roma's early in the year when Vertu was taking him, he's probably in the capital race. So just just some some food for thought. So speaking of the attack, the one player that I was surprised to see sit, once I thought about the lineup Mourinho put out there, it made sense in terms of tactically what they were trying to do. But we knew questions would be coming in because Nicolas Zaniolo did not start and then did not play. I think the reason he did not play is more because Roma was in a 3 nothing lead and you're not looking to bring in Zaniolo to, to, you know, hit on the counterattack at three, nothing. You're looking more to defend a lead and, and Rome was doing a good job of that. But uh, we had a bunch of questions about it, Jim. So uh, Buck from Twitter said, I realize it's one game, but it was a huge one to be omitted from. Does this mean anything in regards to Zaniolo's future with Roma, especially considering the boos he's gotten recently? Uh, AFL no. fan six. Can we read anything into <laughs> Zaniolo not playing a single minute in the Derby? No. <laughs> Would you start? Zaniolo I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give more, I'll give more <laughs> answers than this. I promise, but I'm not, Suffice it to say, I'm not worried about this. This is like at the yeah. bottom of my, my mind out of all the things. And like, yeah, Corriere Dello Spore is going to come up with, you know, rumors saying, oh, Juve's swooping in now that they're not going to renegotiate with Dybala and whatever. I'm not worried about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think those rumors will start swirling big time, especially over the international break, because besides Italy playing, they're going to need something to talk about in the papers. And yeah. um, the Italy matches are... Hopefully twice, because God forbid they lose North Macedonia on Thursday. Uh, that would just be the yeah. worst thing. But in the not world. to be, yeah, not to be dismissive of everybody who's submitted questions, because I really appreciate everyone who does. But Zaniolo has been protected and given positive feedback and respected by Mourinho, by Tiago Pinto, by the Friedkins from the moment that the Friedkins joined, from the moment Tiago Pinto joined, from the moment Mourinho joined they all have made it clear that they see him as a long-term piece at this club. And they've also made it clear that they know that there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be growing pains into getting back to being who he was pre-injury. And it's entirely pot. Like, would he be, is he happy that he's not playing the Derby? I imagine not. He's a competitor in every sense of the word. So if he's not playing, he's usually pissed off. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we won. I saw footage of him when we were winning where he looked thrilled, man. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 it doesn't, it wasn't like he was sulking in the corner when we won three zero, he was jumping up and down with everybody at the end of the game. And so I think that Roma fans have a tendency to be a bit fatalist at times. Um, and looking at the glass half empty, I wouldn't in this situation, both in terms of Zenio's long-term future as a player and ability um, and also his long-term future with the club. I, I would not be surprised, you know, that he would get a renewal in the summer pretty quickly um, because even though he hasn't been scoring, even though it's been a frustrating season for him, for sure, I've still seen enough glimpses of his ability and like really hated how much the refs haven't protected him um, to be confident that over the next few years, he's going to prove his worth and more. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth when you said he wasn't sulking in the corner at three nothing when they're celebrating the win. He wasn't like the the guy. Sometimes you see guys on teams that are like, oh, like yeah, my team won, but what was me? I didn't get to play, you know. And then they're in a bit of a bad mood. He was he was smiling from ear to ear. Um, And and I think you know I wouldn't read too much into this at this point unless you start seeing things like his agent says he wants out or something like that, which I don't imagine happening. I don't think we have anything to worry about. 
you know, Garrett 10 FT from the message boards asked if I think Zaniolo starts next match. Uh, yes. Another one, Thomas from Twitter said Mourinho opted with a midfield of Sergio, Cristante, Pellegrini, and Mickey. Yes, instead of fielding Zaniolo next to Abraham, do you think this is the formation going forward? And where does this leave Zaniolo? Yeah, the 3 4 2 1, I think, is the formation going forward, or 3 4 1 2, whichever way you look at it. I just think, depending on the opponent, you could easily see Sergio on the bench, Mikatarian drops back, and Zaniolo plays next to Abraham, like we've seen in the past. You could rest Mikatarian and just slot Zaniolo into there and, and, and Pellegrini's the attacking midfielder. So I think it, the permutations all really depend on the opponent, what exactly Mourinho is trying to do tactically. And the fact he played zero minutes, if Roma was one, one in the 70th minute, I bet you Zaniolo's coming on to try to score a goal yesterday, or if, it, yeah. if they're, if they're down, he's coming on the way the yeah. match played out, there was no need to put him out there. And guess what? If he gets a little extra rest, not the end of the world for him with all the, the physical ailments he's had in the past years. You don't need to tax him any more than you need to after he played, I believe it was the full 90 on Thursday. Um, and then he's going to Italy camp this week along with Cristante, Pellegrini, and Mancini. Give him, give him a match off if you don't need him, right? You don't need to use your attacking players in a 3 nothing match. So I'm not going to read too much into it at this point. If he's benched the next four matches, different story. But at this point, I'm not worried. So yeah. moving on from the individual performances, the league form right now for Roma, nine unbeaten, five wins, four draws. You know, wish a couple of those draws were, were wins, of course, but five five wins, four draws in the last nine. Uh, AS Roma fan six said, huge derby win on Sunday, nine matches in a row without a loss, and Roma is still in the mix for a trophy in the Conference League. Did we officially turn the corner with this team? Is it starting to feel that way? No comment. I'm not jinxing this. <laughs> uh, no jinx here from me either, but I will say it's starting to feel like the mentality has shifted enough where Roma can get the draws and what used to be losses and maybe find yeah. wins that used to be draws late, late in matches where they don't turn off because they've been frustrated for 90 minutes by Udinese. They keep going for it that much. I will say, I think, I, I think it feels a bit like they've turned the corner in that regard, but I'm not jinxing the fact that I think we'll be unbeaten the rest of the season. I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts. And hopefully we can carry some momentum into Samp in two weeks. So let's talk about the last run of matches. I, th- I believe there's nine matches left off the top of my head, if I'm thinking right, or eight matches. I think we're in and played 30 now. Uh, so seeing how things stand in the league and in Europe, if Roma ends in fifth place and manages to win the conference league, would you qualify it as a great improvement from last season or consider it mediocre? I personally think if we bring home a cup, it would be big. Pietro Rizzo from Twitter. Yeah. Pietro is right on the money. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again until something changes. Roma is the biggest club with a loser losers mentality that I've ever seen in my life, except maybe the New York Knicks. <laughs> uh, and by that, by that, I mean that for a club in a huge market for a club with big aspirations, it does so little winning most of the time. And it's not all even that it usually has a poor offering of players or a bad manager or anything like that. It's just that it does not have the mentality to get it done. Um, and the good difference between Roma and the Knicks is that Roma has good management now and both at the coach level, both at the GM level and at the ownership level for Roma to become more of a destination for Roma to keep its players for Roma to, you know, actually have an argument other than total points of being like the fourth or third biggest club in Italy it needs to start winning things and it's going to be a whole lot easier for guys who 
after they win like the ECL as unimportant as it might seem to go into a Copa match against a big side and say, yeah, we can win this. We're, we've been here before. This is not our first time winning, coming into a match like this and winning. Um, and that'll be crucial for Scudetto runs. That'll be crucial for Copa runs. So much of, so much of sport, so much of life is built off of self-confidence. And I think that there's way more, like if I could choose between Roma getting, getting to the EL through fifth place only, or by being in like seventh place, but winning ECL, no question. Win ECL, get the, get the cup. Um, that is, that and you're getting Europa priority. League either way, right? You're getting the Europa yeah. League with it. So yeah. Yeah. And so no, and knowing Mourinho, he's a guy who knows that cup, like in his first season with the club, he usually does try to win a cup. And so I think that this is obviously the only achievable one left. So I'm pretty optimistic that we can make that happen. And if, if we win the ECL, I will call this season a success. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd say fifth place and ECL is certainly a success. Even fifth place, I think if, if we hadn't gotten as far in the ECL it would still be a success because we were in seventh place last season. Right. And uh, improving ahead of two teams that were ahead of us last season, I think is an improvement. Granted the league is a little more up and down this year, but I think, you know, I scoffed at the conference league, not scoffed at it, but felt like it would be a waste of our time a little bit earlier in the season when we're having to play those two match weeks uh, and, you know, expending energy ahead of some big matches in the fall. But now that we're in the quarterfinals, just like with the Europa league last year, you got to go for it. And if Roma can win a trophy, it won't be easy. They have Bodo in the next round, which I should hope they've learned something from the first two Bodo matches. You get past them into the semifinals. And then I believe it is the Leicester city winner. So Leicester would be, you know, it would give you a premier league team to score off against, you know, that would be a little bit of a test there. Leicester's not as good as they were a few years ago when they won the premier league and when they were playing champions league, but they're still a solid side. And then you might run into Paulo Lopez and Changi Zunder in Marseille in the final or one of those type teams. And that would again, be a decent test. So, uh, you know, Roma's going to have to earn the conference league. They're not walking through some, you know, um, Eastern European farmer's village against some like, fourth rate club well, Roma's you know? gonna have to learn it earn it against Bodo Glimt yeah. again man yep like like I, I mean I know we make fun of it because like it was embarrassing when we lost but we lost to this team mm-hmm. like like we lost badly to this yeah. team so we have two legs against them now and I'm not counting that as a guaranteed win no. um we need to show we need to show our ability to win and honestly like it ended poorly but I remember this is going to stick in my brain for a long time. I remember seeing before that first Bodo Glimp match up in Norway footage of the team inspecting the pitch yep. and Mancini basically saying something along, along the line. And someone says like, why are we here? And like a really exasperated voice. And Mancini responds by saying, because we played like shit last year. Yeah. And that sums it up, man. Like we, we are in the comp- competition we deserve to be in. And that's not going to be, there's no such thing as an easy competition for any club. Otherwise, yep. like, yeah. So I, I'm, I would be thrilled if we got ECL. I, I'll be happy if we get past Bodo Glimt. And believe me, if we get to Leicester City, um, my, one of my best friends is a Leicester City fan, so I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy that one. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? Here's your chance. And, and Bodo Glimt will always be a meme match in Roma history now at this point because it was a six-one. Yeah. But if you wanted a chance to right those wrongs, you might not ever see Bodo Glimt on our schedule again for a long time. Well, guess what? You got him a lot sooner than you probably expected, and you can easily right those wrongs in the quarterfinals and then move on to the semifinals and just kind of put the demons of Norway behind us and 
and say, hey, now we're into the semifinals, then we got a shot at a trophy. So we could kind of forget about that 6-1 and the fact we couldn't beat them in either the, the two group stage matches. So um, Garrett, 10 FTS, you know, we're eight points off a Champions League spot. Would you prior- prioritize fighting for that spot with Juve, Inter, Atalanta, and Lazio, or would you prioritize ECL? I think we already answered that. I don't think we're making the the top four eight points off. That, that's a lot of points to make up, especially when Juve has the tiebreaker against us. Um, Inter most likely will have the tiebreaker against us. We split with Lazio. Yeah, we own a tiebreaker against Atalanta. Passing um, Inter or Juve seems very unlikely. So with that in mind, everybody calm down from the message boards asked. Home stretch, where, do, where does Roma finish in the table, Jim? Fifth. Fifth, I agree. I agree. I think I have not... I would have thought that Atalanta would be there a couple months ago if you'd asked me. I, I would have thought they'd be in second or third. Yeah. Um, but the wheels are really coming off over there. Um, and so much of a league sport is gelling at the right moment. Um, yeah. You can be great for the first – like Roma, You we saw this every single season with Spalletti. Roma was like off in top of the league when winter rolled around and then just the wheels fell off. Um and then I, I mean, like, has it been an infuriating couple months to be a Roma fan at times? 100%. But we haven't lost a match in a while now, yeah. especially in the league. Yeah. And the thing, things are coming together. Um, I am happy with where Roma is at the present. I see a lot of room to grow, which almost makes me happier um, because there are still a lot of things that we can fix, a lot of players we can ship out, a lot of new signings we need to bring in. But maybe it's just the... Uh, afterglow of this uh this Roma win over Lazio but it feels good where we are right now I think I can see a vision for where this club is going yeah I agree and you know if we hadn't blown that Juve match we're looking at 10 straight unbeaten and and another impressive win so it's it's you know closing out the season I'm looking at the last matches Roma goes to Napoli and to Inter in back-to-back weeks Uh, and then they have an away match at Fiorentina a couple weeks after that I'm looking to see how they play in those three matches specifically. Is Roma going to drop points some on the way out of the season? I'm sure there'll be draws. I'm sure there might be a loss or two on the way out uh, to, before we wrap up. But if Roma can go to Naples and win or San Siro and win, I'd take one of those two. And then I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see how they perform against the Fiorentina side that has been improved this year, but is still not at the same level as some, some of the other clubs. You know, they're in eighth place right now. They've got a little ground to make up on Lazio and Roma and Atalanta. And then, you know, that'll really say if this team is starting to turn the corner. We had that question earlier in the show, you know, is it like a false start again? Or are we starting to see the, the, the Roma turn the corner? And I think with the Atalanta win and now the Lazio win, and then you throw in the other Atalanta win earlier in the season, we're starting to see performances in big matches that you have to put in if you want to be a, a true Champions League challenger, a true Scudetto challenger eventually. And then, you know, a team that can challenge in Europe a little bit, you know, and and you want to be a top side in Italy, you got to beat the top side. So that's what I'm looking for uh, in this last run of matches, especially in those three matches. Um, so just a couple of questions to close out. We had uh, we had one from Bello Samuel on Twitter. What do you think the biggest lesson Marino should learn from this season and the players? The biggest lesson he will learn is that he's right to banish players sometimes. He's right to, to like be pretty explicit about the type of player he wants the type of player he can work with there's no they're like was I really skeptical when he did that after bo- the first photo match 100 I was like what the hell is he doing 
Kumbula has been transformed since then. And the players who have not have shown nothing elsewhere. Um, Gonzalo VR has been like a non-entity at the club he's at right now. And I haven't heard anything about Borja Mayoral either. Like, yeah. There's a, like, I'm not a Mourinho stan, to be clear. But there is something to the fact that both, like, all, for all the criticism he got and interest United and Tottenham, look at where they are right now. It's, I, I don't know how much of their poor results is on him from that time period, right? Yeah. So I, 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 Tottenham is like Tottenham is driving Conte crazy right now. Yeah. Um, and Manchester United looks like a mess. Yeah. So Ragnick has not fixed I them. mean, I mean, I think that it's natural for fans of a club to prioritize supporting the players over the manager because managers come and go a lot more quickly than good players often do for a big club but Mourinho looks like he's been pretty vindicated on the past two clubs that he left and he looks like he's doing a decent job with what he's been given in Rome and if we're able to make this extend and we're able to develop the squad more not only do I think it'll end in success for Roma I also think it'll set up a situation where you know if Mourinho leaves after you know two more seasons that the club will be in a much better spot than when it started out with him. And that'll be a good thing. Yeah. So yeah I'm, I, I don't, the, the lesson he should learn is that so far it seems like he's been making the right decisions. Yeah. And if you asked him, he'd probably say he already knew that because we know Mourinho's personality, but, and he may have known what I'm going to say is that coming in, he might not have taken a job if he didn't know this, that he has players that can play up to the level he expects with the mental fortitude that he expects. We've seen it from Pellegrini this season. He, he picked out Tammy Abraham, I'm sure, you know, he gave the all clear on that move. He knows Tammy can handle it. You know, we've seen certain players in the team that can handle it and that he knows he can build around and that if he can get Tiago Pinto to bring in the right pieces, which kind of leads into Bello Samuel's other question, which was, do you see us challenging for the Scudetto next season if we get a DM winger, central mid and a defender? So he's throwing a lot of parts out there. I don't know if we're going to get that many parts. And I don't know if we're a Scudetto contender next season. A lot depends on what the other clubs do and exactly who that DM might be and how much money the Freakins invest. But what I think it's showing is that next season, we should at least be a Champions League challenger throughout the season yeah. and hopefully finish top four because the pieces are starting to align where Mino knows who can handle his tactics, who can handle his mental, I guess, game, so to speak, and who he knows he can trust going forward. And hopefully they fill out the roster with a little more depth, a couple more big pieces. And I think yeah. moving forward, we have a nice setup. I a hundred percent agree. Um, I think that things are coming together. Uh, I, I obviously that can change very quickly. Um, but I'm feeling optimistic about where this club is going, which is yeah. nice. So our next question from Yasser El Shimi on Twitter Jim, I'm going to let you plug a piece you are working on for later in the week with this one because it's a perfect lead-in. He said, I know our main transfer uh, market priority is going to be the midfield, but should we worry about getting a sub-Abraham? It feels like our other forwards are just not going to cut it if he got injured. So go ahead, Jim. I know you got something in the, the, the calendar there. Yeah, I'm going to be looking at you know options for Tammy Abraham backups over you know probably pu trying to publish that on Thursday. And... The short answer, not to spoil too much, is that I still think that given the right circumstances, Shamuradov can succeed in Rome. Um, I'm not someone who's quick to write off 
anybody, whether that's, you know, in my personal life or professional life or, you know, sports watching life, I'd much, I try to take a wait and see aspect. And I think that we often fail to acknowledge that moving to a big club like Roma is a huge shift, even for players who have already been playing at top flight football for a very long time. Um, for a guy like Elder Shomurodov, moving from a small club to a big club like Roma, it's night and day. And there's a lot of mental aspects to it that probably take a lot of time to grow into. Um, as for, you know, potential other striker backups, um, you know, there are some players that I've definitely thought of and that I'll get more into detail with in the article. But I would also just point out that you don't want to necessarily create a situation where you've got too many mouths to feed up front. Either. Mm. Um, you don't want to create, like, let's just, let's try to, let's hope that Zaniolo is both with Roma in the fall and back closer to the player that he, we know he can be. If he, if Abraham, we can trust to score 25 plus goals a season and Zaniolo, we can know scores double digits. If Pellegrini scores double digits, like after a certain point, we're just going to run out of people to give the ball, like balls to give to people to shoot. Right. And so do I want a backup striker who's more productive? Of course. I'm skeptical that bringing in someone who is either too established or, you know, has high expectations of where they're going is a smart idea, especially if we're all in on Abraham, like I think we should be. Yeah. It's that like NBA mentality. Like how many shots can you realistically shoot per match? Right. How many, how many passes can you feed a one striker per match? Right. Kind of thing. So a couple last quick ones, the Spina Zola slot, right back in so many of the guys we thought were locks don't seem to get the same love from Mourinho VR seemed like a lock then Vertu Zaniolo might be on the market says Adam Fish also what's up with Spinazzola November January any news on his return I think Spinazzola is a very different case than VR than Vertu uh, Mourinho gave Vertu plenty of chances I think early in the season Spinazzola I think Mourinho is probably chomping at the bit for Spinazzola to come back at like 90% of what he was if not which is probably more. why Spinazzola was saying that he'd be back in November because yeah. he t- talked to Mourinho who's the best manager he's ever been able to play for and Mourinho was like I would love to have you back as soon as possible and Spinazzola being kind of like the half insane speed demon that yeah. he is was like okay I'm just gonna make this happen right now I'm going to be back at full level back to what I was at the Euros tomorrow and then a doctor probably yeah. told him hey no that's kind of <laughs> dumb um, the medical team was like pump like, the brakes a little remember, bit like, <laughs> Yeah, like you got to remember, like Achilles tears are tough. Yeah, that's like nasty those. Are, that is a tough injury. Like the good, the good news for Spinazzola is that like good, like world class players in other sports have been able to come back and like succeed after an Achilles tear. Like Kevin Durant is like one of the best examples of this. That he like back in the end, not to do another basketball, you know, thing, but Kevin Durant had an Achilles tear. Many people thought he'd be done. He is chugging along, dropping fifty every couple. Like he's looking world-class which gives me hope for Spinazzola which is my main point that if he does his recovery right he can slot back into being not only our starting left back but you know for Italy as well and you know hopefully you know world-class again I I think that's feasible what about you Steve yeah I do I think if and I think that's why the recovery is taking longer than expected or based on what he said because he's not a doctor he was probably being ambitious like you want him to be right um, yeah. I think as the season started to progress and you see where Roma's going, they're probably not finishing top four. They're not really fighting for top four anymore. They're able to handle the race for fifth. I think with the roster they have, as well as the ECL, let him take his time. If he's back before the end of the season where he can get a couple games under his belt. Great. 
but there's no need to rush him. I do think next yeah. season, as long as he's match fit and healthy, I do think he slots in as a starting left back or left wing back, depending on the forma- formation Mourinho puts out there. Cause he's not only great going forward, he's defensively sound for a fullback too. And you don't find a lot of fullbacks like that. You look at like Teo Hernandez, he can go forward with the best of them, but oof, on defense, he is a liability sometimes, right? Roma didn't have to worry about that with Spina Solo. So I, 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 I'm not worried about him, especially, and I don't definitely don't think that he's one of those guys that we think is a lock that won't be under Mourinho. I think Mourinho is probably as he was watching the Euros, knowing he was the Roma manager, loving every minute of Spina Solo, just tearing down the flank and, and killing teams. And then, Probably, I'm pretty sure he'd said something along yeah. the lines of that when he was like on TV talking for the yeah. Euros or something. He was like, Yeah, this Spinazzola guy, I'm excited to manage him. Yeah, and you know, knowing Spinazzola, he probably saw that at one point and was like, Oh, damn, I got to get back back to full yeah. health. But we don't, we don't want to replicate a situation with Zaniolo where no. probably what happened with that tear, second tear is that he came back too quickly. Yeah, um, and that would be the, the worst case scenario for Roma because not only would they have a world-class left back that they wouldn't want to fully replace, but he's out for a season. They'd have one who is taking up a decent amount of salary too. You want him back and playing in part because he's so good, but in part because we gave him a pretty substantial salary when we signed him from Juve. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting paid pretty well and you don't want to, to, to waste that either. Right. So yeah. um, Forza Roma from the CDT message boards asks, assuming the Saudi of Roma rumors were true, are you pleased Roma went from Mourinho? Or would you rather have had, have seen Saudi ball? I think yesterday probably answers all those questions, huh, Jim? I don't condone smoking. I'll end it, I'll, I'll end it with that. I'll end it with that. No, no, no smoking. No, no smoking at Trigoria. They can save that for yeah. Fumello over on the other side yeah, of the and, city. And, 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 you know, I wasn't intending for that to be shade towards the man, but it kind of is after uh. some of the comments that he's been making recently. Uh, oh, man. Like he was saying things like Mourinho's not playing kids when Zalewski's been starting like the past five matches and Afenagian became like a sensation yeah. out of nowhere. Like, come on, man. If you're going to criticize, there's plenty of room to criticize Mourinho, but don't do it incorrectly. You just look like an idiot. Oh man. And Mourinho's comeback was great in the press. It was something to the extent of like, I'm not worried about that guy. He hasn't won anything. You know, if it was Capello, he's won Serie Bay twice. Yeah. He's won Serie Bay twice. <laughs> If it's Capello or he threw, I think, Leapy, then I'd be, you know, I'd take a little more of what they said to heart. But, it, you know, he's a nobody, basically. And that's that's yeah. the best part about Mourinho. You know, I was on Couch Land last week for an interview with David Amayal, and he asked me, you know, what's the biggest difference between Fonseca and Mourinho? And I jokingly started my answer with, can I say the press conferences? Because the sound bites you get from Mourinho are just, are just treasures sometimes. They're gold. Um, so last one to end it on a little bit of a, a personal level. Gerosity from the message boards asked, the Derby, Derby atmosphere seems incredible. If you've been to a Derby, can you describe the experience in the stadium and in the city? If you've not physically been to a Derby, what are your top five Derby moments? Uh, I'll start by saying I've been to the Olympico for a Roma match uh, about 15 years ago, not for a Derby. It was against Sampdoria. Roma did thrash them for nothing. So it was enjoyable. The, uh, the atmosphere in the Olympico was great even for a match like that. So I can only imagine what it's like to be there for a derby. Unfortunately, living stateside, it's almost impossible to get there at certain months to for a derby. I don't know if I have a top five, Jim. Um, I will say the Toti brace where he pulled out the selfie was a great one. Uh, I remember there was a match where Vucinic bailed us out back in the day, mm-hmm. I think with two goals. That was a good one. Of course, yesterday has to be up there um, because just beating up on Lazio is not something we do all the time like that. I think it was since like 99 or something that they won a match by like yeah. three goals. So that was before my time. 
Um, those are like that one with that the Aturbe. Are... The one with the Aturbe goal was great because I thought that we were really going to turn the corner. And yeah. Didn't for him. I feel bad for him, but like in the moment, seeing him score in yeah. that derby was just something else. You brought up the Yang Gambiwa moment where he yep. won a match for us or salvage a point. I think it was the winner actually in that one. Uh, Balzaretti's goal was a great one. Um, trying to think, and and even Pellegrini's back heel a couple seasons ago was a nice one because that's when he was really struggling, and it was a kind of a. A, a good moment for him early in his Roma days. So those are some of the ones that jump out. I don't think you've ever been to a Derby yourself, right? No, I've been to a Roma Atlanta match and that's about it. But I've, yeah. you know, I've obviously watched every single one since I started caring about Roma. Yeah. So we'll leave you guys there. It is international break week starting. I know Jim, you've got the um, Ab- uh, Abraham backup piece. You're also doing a piece about the potential for top four from it has any realistic shot, right? That's in your, uh, your list too? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be seeing some, some writing from me. That's not just match previews this week, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. And I know Bren's got some women's stuff coming out because the women are doing very well so far this season. I know they're challenging for the top two, which is champions league territory for the women. Uh, it's an international big international week for Italy with the European, you know, finishing the qualifying uh, Roma has to win uh, rather Italy has to win against North Macedonia and then either Portugal or turkey so uh if i have some time i might do a little bit of italy work to, to kind of keep you guys updated there uh four roma players involved we'll see how much they get onto the pitch but zaniolo um mancini pellegrini and zaniolo did i say zaniolo twice cristante all called up for the azuri so hopefully they'll see some minutes here and there or maybe have a bigger role that we, we don't know about but um we'll leave you there i'm not sure if we'll be back next week with it being international week but we'll we'll keep you updated on twitter and the message boards for sure and we thank you again for listening